Hello and welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Granger. Each week, we bring you the most interesting conversations from around the media industry. But before we jump in, I'm always keen to hear from you. So if you have any thoughts on the show or would like to jump on for an episode, do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. Right, let's get on with the episode. Since we are now into hiring season, we thought we would talk today about the lack of diversity in UK journalism and what can be done from both sides of the pipeline problem, how newsrooms can make their applications more inclusive to diverse talents, and what diverse talent can do to shine in the application process. Joining me is Joe Adetunji, the newly appointed editor of The Conversation, an independent news site with a focus on sourcing expertise from academia and research communities. Joe is a diversity champion as someone who broke into the industry through the NCTJ's Journalism Diversity Fund, and now she volunteers on the fund's interviewing process. In wider roles, she sat on the panel for the Cairncross Review into a sustainable future for journalism in 2019, is a trustee of the Public Interest News Foundation, and a board member of the British Journalism Review. Today, we will explore recent research by the NCTJ, which revealed that the British news industry is still largely privileged and over-reliant on hiring university graduates. The industry has made slow progress here considering the proliferation of diversity schemes we've seen in recent years. So, are there any hiring alternatives that newsrooms could be considering? And what does diverse talent need to do differently to get noticed? All of that's to come after this. Hey job hunters, there's more than 150 jobs and opportunities from around the media industry up on the journalism.co.uk jobs board. Our job of the week is a regional SEO content journalist role at NewsQuest. For that position and all the rest on our jobs board, visit www.journalism.co.uk forward slash jobs and good luck. Joe, welcome to the journalism.co.uk podcast. It's great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Can you paint a picture of what your work setup looks like at the moment? How are things? Uh, good. Um, working from home, like many other people still, but we've opened the office sort of part time. So we're going back in on Thursdays, um, but having it open for other others to come in on other days if they'd like. But we're still working out how sort of remote working might work longer term and, um, you know, what the future is for our office. And, and how's that going? Yeah, it's good. I think we're trying to, you know, engage staff and talk to them about what they're comfortable with and what they're happy with. But we're web based, so we're we're kind of lucky to be able to do work from home. Super. Well, big news this week. Uh, many congratulations on your promotion up to editor of the conversation. What does that change for you day to day? What what's new for that role? Um, well, obviously taking responsibility for where we go next. Um, thinking about our strategy going forward. Um, You know, we've hit some really big numbers and especially in COVID times, I think people have realised, you know, they really want to hear from experts. So um, it's a big task thinking, where do we go from here and make sure that we continue to build and grow? So so really at the forefront of your mind right now in your strategy, what what is it? Um, Well, interestingly, obviously, we're going to talk about diversity, um, but also we have a lot of international audience. I also want to find out more about what UK audiences um, would like to hear from experts about um, and just thinking about how we do processes and you know make our team even stronger. Mm. So a good question possibly to get out of the way is how exactly does the infrastructure of the conversation work? You've spoken touched there on the on the experts that you have to write for for you. Perhaps just explain to our audiences how that model works. 
Yeah, uh, so it's a different kind of model. Um, all our editors are journalists, so we have a newsroom of editors, but our writers are academics. So in a sense, they're kind of like our commissioned journalists. So it's an interesting one, um, given what we're going to talk about today, because obviously as mm-hmm. we've got two different sort of parts of our operation going on, um, the academics and our, our editors. So when you when when we talk about diversity, do you treat these two areas separately in terms of the diversity of the experts and the diversity of your staff or or are they considered as one um i think it's there's still kind of one goal to to be better and and do better but um you know they're they're always two separate things as well um you know universities uh have their own issues around diversity and you know and that's the pool that we commission from but um so I'm doing some work at the moment, uh, which is an audit into, you know, how well we benchmark against, um, I guess, university diversity and how we can also be proactively better in that fashion. Um, and then obviously the newsroom and our own recruitment, um, sort of looking at how we do that better. So just before we go any further, it's worth just asking, what do your own diversity figures look like? Um, it's an interesting one because I think... Um, you know, we'll probably talk about this a bit more, but, um, you know, what is diversity? I think, um, uh, you know, we've had lots of editors who've been mixed um, in terms of ethnicity. Um, I think we've had quite a university educated group of journalists as well. And so I think there's a different um, kind of ways of looking at it. I think we do okay. I think I think our challenge is that as, as a small organization, and up until recently had a very low turnover. Um, so it's about thinking about ways that we now recruit um, because we've got a bit more movement going on. Um, but also, you know, how do we kind of help more diverse candidates to get opportunities with us um, that they may use going forward in their career with other with other organizations mm. so so fair to say room for improvement but definitely at the forefront of your mind moving forward how to how to improve it yeah And this is the scenario for a lot of news organisations. In May, the NCTJ published its Diversity in Journalism report, which offered a nationwide state of play when it comes to diversity in the UK news industry. Amongst the highlights, 92% of journalists are white, 4% behind that of the general workforce. Almost 9 in 10 journalists are university educated, and three quarters have parents in high-profile jobs like directors or academics. Long story short, the UK journalism industry is still very privileged, posh and pale. Back to Joe. I think there have been a lot of changes that have happened and, um, you know, especially sort of in the last uh, couple of years, um, there's been a more of a kind of even more focus on diversity. But I think those figures do tell a story that also not that much has changed or has fed into that yet. Um, But, you know, I think there are differences now in how uh, organisations are thinking about it. I think Sky was investing a lot of money um, into their scheme. Um, But down the line, what are the actual results? I think there are a few different issues that are, you know, what organisations do at point, but also how people come through in the in the pipeline into those into those jobs 
yeah you are you are someone who has broken in and you've you've made a very good career for yourself can you take me back to when you did break into journalism and how you managed that <laughs> um I guess it's, you know, there are there are sort of qualities, you know, I felt I was quite determined, but, you know, people have really helped me along the way, you know, finding uh, somebody who champions you, talking a lot to people, pestering. And I think sometimes people fear that they will, um, you know, they're hassling somebody and, you know, the other person might feel hassled. But at the same time, you, you know, you've got to just kind of get out there. And I did a lot of pitching. Um, but yeah, I remember doing, I remember trans taking on a job that was transcribing for four days. I think I was doing kind of 15 hours, 16 hours transcribing a day with a machine because I kind of wanted um, to volunteer for something that, and, you know, and this editor to, to think I was like really good at, you know, hard work. And it was a bit of a nightmare, but I, I think it paid off to show, you know, hard work, willingness. And I think always editors are always looking for ideas to look like you can generate ideas and and think up things for yourself. What what's different now for for young uh, diverse journalists breaking in compared to when you started to break into journalism? I think there's a lot of people doing their own thing now. Mm -hmm. uh, so you know, making opportunities for themselves. Um, uh, I think. Because I also do some work for, I'm a trustee for the Public Interest News Foundation. So we look a lot at independence, basically, in the game. People like, or organisations like Galdem, you know, the unedited podcast. We're at a kind of really difficult place for journalism. And yet there are all these kind of startups and interesting things going on. I think from a journalist-led point of view, I think there are quite a few different people just doing their own thing now you know, not relying on that one job at the top to, to you know, move them forward. In that first um, reply you gave, you spoke sort of about your your work ethic and your proactiveness. Is there kind of a case to merge the two and, and advise young, diverse journalists to be very proactive with kind of these similar kind of publication models, get involved with those as opposed to going right to the very top, trying there? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the things, you know, you look for on a CV as an editor is experience, but that's obviously fraught for a lot of people, you know, whether they, whether it's unpaid or, um, you know, whether they can even get sort of paid, paid work experience positions. Um, so it's how do you kind of get that experience? Um, so I think getting involved in those kind of things so that you've got something to sell to, to editors and, and say, look, I've done this, I've done that, is still really important. Yeah. Let's let's come back slightly to those um, NCTJ figures that I was speaking to a minute ago. I was kind of comparing them there to the general workforce, as, as was kind of uh, um, written in the report. Do you think that's a useful benchmark to sort of frame this discussion of where diversity is in the media? Or is there um, maybe a better way to frame the, frame the discussion? Yes, I think, I think in a sense of journalism being the occupation that's supposed to you know tell people about these issues uh and if it itself can't get its own house in order it's a it's a it's a problem um i would have hoped almost the 88 percent was of the uk workforce was a slightly better number as well so i think there's work there as well but i think as a reminder to journalism that as a profession you know we should be opening our eyes to this stuff uh, and we're actually worse than 
the the UK workforce, I think is a bit of a of a wakener. How do you explain the shortfall and the difference between the two? Where where exactly is the problem in the pipeline? You think? I think there are issues around recruitment. Um, you know, sort of age old things of recruiting in your own image. But for me, I think I've long thought there are issues in school and training and and having people come to that level in the first place. Um, so I'm I sort of do stuff for the Journalism Diversity Fund, which is run by the NCTJ, and it is industry funded, um, and that's been going for a while. And you know, I help with shortlisting um, and interviewing. And some absolutely fantastic, talented people coming through who have faced some real challenges in their lives and are just mind blowing in their determination. And and they get some really good bursaries to go um, and train and, you know, hopefully be another another group who who can then go on to apply for jobs. Weirdly enough, I actually about 10 years ago also got a bursary from from them too. On the JDF, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a really good initiative. And I think it just takes it that further step back. Like here are ways that you can get funding in order to go into journalism. And then in terms of the organisations, they need to also look at their recruitment processes. And I think diversity schemes are good, but there needs to be something that kind of gets more people at a younger age thinking I can do this and, um, you know, afford to do it really. So you mean like pre-university? Yeah, you know, schools. Uh, I don't remember having a career thing that said, you know, journalism. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't know if I think probably some people would just probably think it wasn't really a tenable thing for them to do. Yeah, it feels like you only start learning about journalism at university previous to that. You've kind of got vaguer media studies and this kind of thing. So yeah. perhaps you've got a point there. But, you know, on, on the point about diversity schemes, we've really seen a proliferation of them in recent years. I, um, I, I can rattle off a few, like from PA Media and uh, Reuters have introduced one. ITV have had one for quite some time. Yet we see the progress is still quite slow. Do you really think diversity schemes are the way forward? Do you think that's really going to create change fast enough? I don't know about the way forward. I think this is quite a complex issue. I think you can't just have one thing. Mm hmm. I think diversity schemes are great, um, but you know, are they are they temporary? Are they there to kind of get people in on permanent jobs? What almost what is the investment even before that to get people in? Um, I think they're just one tool, yeah. um, really. So, what would be your top of your wish list that you could introduce into the media industry to be you know a catalyst for change? I, I think something in in schools, actually. Um, so, you know, it's like this idea of diverse, diversifying boards. But, you know, how many candidates have you got? I want to see more when we advertise for a job. I want to see more candidates than I do see. We're thinking about, you know, where we advertise, things like that. But I think the industry could put more work into finding those people younger and helping them think this is a career that's great. I think local papers, mm. again, have their own challenges, but that was definitely an area where, you know, people could go into and, and get a, a job very young um, and, you know, and learn the ropes. Now, now, now you've got a 
by and large, go to university, rack up a huge student debt, and then work your way up yeah. from there. I think this was one of the main findings of that NCTJ report, which is that the industry is over-reliant, really, on graduate hiring. Do you see any kind of alternative ways to recruit outside of university for newsrooms, realistically? Um, well, the local paper route, but, you know, that was notoriously low paid. So, you know, are there ways to kind of actually have schemes that are better paid that mean that people don't necessarily think I have to get that job in London over there to make the money. But local papers, I guess, have been depleted as well. So I think this whole kind of independent news operations are, are really good. There's some really interesting kind of grassroots um, ways in. But again, you know, and this is a probably UK issue, we have to work out how how that pays for people to have a career. Correct. I mean, the the other question, of course, is, is journalism actually an appealing career choice for young, diverse um, talent, you think? <laughs> Absolutely. I think, you know... <laughs> That's not a loaded question. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's, it's such an exciting job. Um, you know, the variety of people you talk to and, you know being able to kind of bring your your sort of queries and curiosities and having them answered by you know going out there into the world is just is 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 hugely exciting perhaps we need to kind of get away that from the idea that you know only on a national are you considered a success or something I'm not sure but um I think it's partly that's that's where the money is it's a good point um maybe you can give me an insight on this I mean what is it like for diverse talent to try and break into this industry how does it feel to try and crack this industry me myself um and so this is quite an interesting intersection um so I grew up in Nigeria and then I went to basically not so good um state school and then I got a Quaker bursary to go to private school for um sixth form essentially and then went to a pretty um elite kind of university so I feel like I've seen a lot of different things and sides in my life you know, the secondary school years were interesting. But my parents, uh, kind of like this report, um, you know, they're a kind of academic teaching background. So I always felt like I grew up with this big world view and this kind of curiosity about life. And I think a lot of people, you know, how what their background would mean that they might struggle to sort of think that they can do something and to get out and 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 have change. And so I feel like I was also very incredibly privileged from a sort of class point of view. Um, so I think this is something that I think of as being not just about colour, um, but also about class. Breaking through both of those, I think, are difficult from a sort of ethnic BAME, BAME point of view. Um, it, it, it's just kind of how do you get seen The status quo of applying for jobs has become incredibly competitive and it's easy for job applicants to feel swallowed up by the process and not be seen. It makes you wonder how much diverse talent is slipping under the radar through this very congested route into journalism. That said, it's at least a route that yields opportunities. So for young journalists from diverse backgrounds who are going through this route, I asked Joe what it is editors really look for in these candidates and perhaps what these candidates need to do differently to make sure they stand out. 
I think the idea of champions and mentors is really good. Um, I think there are a lot of good people in journalism who who would really happily sort of give advice. It still comes down to that thing of feeling like you should, you know, pester. Um, I think get in touch with people. If they don't get back, get in touch with someone else. Um, what, what would be your action plan if you were to go back and, and do it all over again today? Uh, <laughs> um, I think similar. I just think, you know, it's not, especially now, it's a bit difficult thinking about networking when we've all been at home. And But I think feeling like you can go and talk to people, uh, you know, I don't think you have to always just um, sort of, sit back and wait for the job ads to roll you know pitch pitch ideas if you get one thing under your belt then you can you know use that for your next idea you know with an editor and get get those ins um but i think i think being kind of quite pestery is probably i would say still a good thing you know so being really speculative and just reaching out to you know editors commission editors with your story ideas for opportunities anything like that really just keep keep pressing the button and just not taking no for an answer I guess no it's not it's not easy um and there's you know people won't get back to you and lots of things like that but I do think yeah making sure you're kind of seen in other ways is is a good thing uh so never take no for an answer keep sending off those emails and twitter dms and this kind of thing and if you if you are if you do join a sort of um a local thing or you know an organization and you start writing for Galdem, for example, you know, use those as jumping off points to get in touch with people. Do people do that to you? Do you get a lot of DMs from like young journalists asking for opportunities and things like that? Not as much as I would like. Um, and like I was saying about, you know, when we advertise for jobs, I, you know, I just I just want there to be more, more CVs coming through, more contact, more you know, I'm very open to it. Cool. Again, I, I love this question, but top of your wish list, the next person to DM you with with a, with an idea, what would you like to see? Uh, <laughs> um, I think I think it's just that that act of you know, and you know somebody is being proactive. You want to help, and you know whether that's pointing them in the right direction or keeping them on file for a job. You know, it's. I think it's. I, I just I kind of want to see that in the first place, you know, that reaching out. I think there's something quite revealing in your answer in that you've you've started this thing by calling it pestering. But I think that's a lot of I think that's how a lot of people feel like they're pestering someone. They're constantly nagging them. But from what you're saying, this is something you actually want. Can you just assure our listeners that this is what <laughs> editors want to see and you're not being annoying? This is actually something they want. You know, that's the thing. I don't know if it's a want, but, uh, you know, for me, I just I think I would I would love to see more um, approaches. You know, even if I can't help at that point, um, you know, I think sort of being able to spot those people and say, OK, let's uh, think about in the future what we can do. Um, or you know, let you know about opportunities we have. Some editors, I'm sure that would be a nightmare. But <laughs> but I think I think it's it's not it's better to kind of do that than than sort of stay silent. Yeah, we we spoke about at the very start of this this call about how you were thinking about um, this problem at the at the not so much problem, but this situation at the the conversation. How are you thinking about? proactively recruiting more diversity into your newsroom any kind of alternative strategies that are on your horizon um so 
yeah, as 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 editor, I think that this is one thing I really want to look at. And um, you know, we have uh like I said, we had low turnover. I think this is changing now. We've got a bit more movement. Um, we've had, you know, a couple of sites where we've advertised our jobs, but and one of them was a startup that was more focused on diversity. Um, but there are obviously kind of groups that um I'm looking at that would be good to sort of make sure you circulate applications, uh, uh, sorry, um, adverts through um, just doing more on on that kind of front, trying to reach networks, I think, um, especially through social media. And for any anyone else listening to this who is on the hiring side, the recruitment side, what, what advice would you give to try and genuinely make their newsroom a bit more inclusive thinking about the application process? You know, we're all we're all biased um, to some degree and just being really aware of of that and, and, and giving people a chance who I think initially on paper you might think okay if you might be 50 50 on a on paper why not uh, give an interview and see how that goes it was quite interesting for another organization i'm trustee of the public interest news foundation we used um something called applied which was a kind of blind uh, scoring system when you do interviews so i think there's some interesting like mm-hmm. tools and technology now as well that are supposed to cut down on you know, bias thinking and and that sort of thing. For me, I think it's generating those applications in the first place. I think there's a lot of work to get to the point um, of then going, okay, this is who we've got in front of us. Who do we choose? And that probably goes back to what we were saying much earlier on about getting interest uh, in the field much earlier on down the line so that that's all building up in the application process. Just coming back to thinking about what you're doing around diversity the unique thing about you is of course around your the experts that you have writing for you how are you thinking about diversity with the experts writing for the website how are you strategizing around that so um big piece of work that i'm actually uh doing at the moment is uh, an audit looking at how diverse our authors are gender is one ethnicity is another we've always wanted more diversity um and, you know, editors have this in their mind and they um, think about it when they're commissioning to, to have it as being a sort of really consistent, sustained thing. I think the first thing we need to do is know is how well we're doing. And we haven't um, actually done a proper audit before. So that's something I'm doing now. Um, and again, looking at how that compares to um, university diversity um, as well. So we know that universities already struggle on BAME do we want to do better than that do we match it you know how does that work how can we reach out for example to more women um, more BAME Um, and I think that's also about getting um, getting into networks university networks and encouraging more people to write because they're the voice of the conversation and so what kind of steps and actions will that that give you moving forward well, I think it will give us the impetus to to sort of a know how much we kind of at least need to do and build a strategy around what we do next. Um, I think we kind of work closely with our university members, so um, you know, reaching out to networks uh, within those universities and making contacts with you know the chairs or the you know heads of those networks, who then can then encourage more people to write. 
what you kind of want is it to be something that's embedded. Um, it's quite hard to just keep pushing. Um, I think that kind of thing ends up coming out in, you know, you do really well for a while and then it drops off again and then you do well for a while, drops off again. I think a challenge would be how do you get consistent contribution from from different voices? Yeah. And just a, just a practical tip on that. When you reach out to those university boards, what, what kind of goes into the messaging there? You're looking for more diverse experts. How are you really framing that that sort of invitation to write for you? Yeah, just just people feeling they can write. I mean, for us, you know, the challenge is that academics are experts and they're brilliant in what they do but what they do isn't isn't necessarily writing for the public um so there's a whole skill there that's new there's fear of of you know social media and and that kind of um exposure that i think journalists perhaps to some extent feel comes with the territory one of the things for example with women writers is feeling confident that they can write without getting abuse one of the things we also need to work out is, you know, those kind of issues. What is holding you back from writing um, and, and what reassurances and help can we give to support you to do that? So that so once we know what the issue is, um, we know that that definitely holds people back. And, you know, reaching out to networks and, and talking about those specific problems and how we can kind of improve things for them because it's never going to be a 100% safe space is it to you know put your voice out there but it's a really important thing to do and how can we support you in doing that we, we spoke today about your promotion to um, editor what skills do you think have contributed to that promotion what are the main ones I'm collaborative um, I think I sort of a team player I think I wouldn't ever do this all by myself there are team members who all have their own skills and and recognizing those I think is really important. I'm fairly process driven so I think there are things that had the conversation that I did before I got to this role that were kind of trying to make how we do things better and more efficient and I think in this new role I'll be able to sort of think about those some more and, and implement a few more things and just generally sort of trying to find solutions you know in terms of our coverage you know there's so much out there still new voices and um you know that that i i want to kind of make sure that we tap into how do you develop those skills i mean particularly thinking about the collaborative team player player one what would be your top tip to develop that skill the hard thing about that is when you sort of have a way of doing things or you know that's the way of of doing something Developing it, I think, is having to think about how you allow others to shine and do things their own way that are not necessarily wrong. Uh, they, they're just different. Um, and, you know, and sort of working out when to lean in or, or lean out a bit, I think. Joe, this has been super interesting. Thank you so much for all of your time and insights on this podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Loads to take away from that conversation with Joe. For young journalists from diverse backgrounds, the standard route of applying for jobs is crazy competitive, but it's not the only way. As Joe assured all of us today, editors are looking to hear from you. So keep sending those LinkedIn requests, Twitter DMs, emails, whatever else. 
the newsrooms. Nice tip today to be doing audits consistently on the voices you are including on your publication. Not just experts, but freelancers and wider contributors, it all adds up. And if you aren't reflecting your audience or wider society, do think about making the change. If you like what you heard today, you can check out more of our episodes on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts by searching and subscribing to the Journalism.co.uk podcast. And if you'd like to feature on the show, do drop me an email on jacob at journalism.co.uk. But that's all we have time for today. I've been your host, Jacob Granger. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time.